Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xander's Facts. Yeah, 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 Xander's Facts. What's happening, y'all? Welcome into the latest edition of the Xander's Facts podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. Welcome in to episode 35 we're doing here on the Xander's Facts podcast. The Big 35, as they call it, here on Wednesday, September 29th in 2021. The final week of September. Fall is sadly here. But thank you all for joining us here on the Xander's Facts podcast, episode 35. And remember... If you like the Xander's Facts podcast, or if you're just tuning in for the first time, welcome! But remember, click that follow button, download button, rate button, review button, all those buttons, and then go on all our socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, follow, like, subscribe, whatever, Xander's Facts podcast, that's Xander with a Z, and most importantly, remember to tell all your friends about the Xander's Facts podcast, spread the facts, do it, Xander's Facts podcast and if you haven't listened to any of our past episodes if you're just joining us for the first time go do that because we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week and we talked about a lot of stuff in the past few episodes you're going to want to do that and now i got something else to promote our new link tree if you don't know what link tree is it's this little website that has a bunch of links on it and you might want to go there because a lot of xander's facts links are on that link tree it's linked in the episode description go click that link tree xander's Facts Podcast. We got a big week. We're going to talk football. Of course, we're going to start with some politics because we got a lot of stuff going on in politics, even though I say that every week. Duh. This week, this week is the biggest week yet of the Xander's Facts Podcast in politics. Bold move there. Last week, we did the little recap episode where we talked about everything that's going on. We're just going to look at Congress this week because... There are some major things going on right now in Congress. The Biden agenda is on the line, and we're going to talk about it this week. But first, let's give you an update of what's going on across the pond. Because for the last two weeks, we've been talking about the German elections. And you're like, why do you care about the German elections? Because they're big news. So last Sunday, they finally voted in Germany. And guess what? It was the Social Democrats who got the most votes. They got 25.7% of the vote. The SPD, they were able to defeat the Christian Democrats for the first time in a while. They only got 24.1%. So, of course, if you've listened to our past two episodes of this podcast, you know that that is not a majority. And they need a majority for sole rule and to form the government, but they don't have one. So now is when the arguable hardest part begins for the Social Democrats and their leader, Olaf Scholz, trying to form a government because they need to form a coalition with other parties. And that's going to be pretty difficult. And it's also not a certainty that Olaf Scholz is going to become chancellor because the leader of the Christian Democrats that we've told you about, Armin Lashat, he has vowed not to go down without a fight. He wants to be chancellor, but he didn't get the most votes. It could happen. I'm just saying it shouldn't happen, and it's unlikely. So, of course, 24.1% for the Christian Democrats, that is the worst result they have gotten since the CDU and the CSU have aligned to form the bloc, the Christian Democrats, that they have. That's a pretty bad result. 
they didn't do so well. So for the Social Democrats, their most likely coalition to be able to form a a government would be with the Greens, the Green Party. They got 14.8% of the vote, which is a big jump over what they had in the last parliament. And that could put their leader, Annalena Baerbock, in a high-ranking government position for the Greens for the first time. How about that? And the Free Democratic Party the Free Democrats, who got 11.5%. So if you add them up, 25.7%, 14.8%, 11.5%, that gets you to exactly 52%. So it would be a coalition, it'd be a government, it'd be a pretty weak one, and they wouldn't have very much room for error. But it could be months before we know if a coalition is going to be agreed to. But in any case, these results are big news for a world politics, and a pretty big victory for progressives as well. Social Democrats are more to the left in Germany, and the Greens are too, and the Christian Democrats are more to the right, and as we said a couple weeks ago on this podcast, if you haven't listened, that's pretty good for the left around the world. That's in Germany, but let's go back here to the States. Thanks goodness that's over. And to Washington, because as you know, by the title of this podcast, Washington's Wild Week It is a wild week, and we're in the middle of it right now. Things are changing all over the place. So you might be listening to this podcast, and you're like, Sander, that's not true. This thing happened. It's that. Well, that could happen, because things are changing every second. But as of now, as I'm recording this podcast on Tuesday afternoon, before this podcast comes out on Wednesday, the 29th, here's where things stand. So here we go. If you only follow politics, just a little bit, if you zone out of this podcast while I'm talking politics, This week you need to zone back in because this is a big week. It's going to mark one of the busiest legislative weeks we have seen in our lifetimes in Washington. And it's all happening right now, right before our eyes. It's amazing. This week, Democrats on Capitol Hill have set arbitrary deadlines on the passage of the bipartisan infrastructure bill as well as the Democratic human infrastructure bill, the other one, which we have talked about a ton on this podcast. They need to pass both of them through Congress and get them to the desk of the president. Also this week, the federal government is at risk of being shut down by the end of the week if funding is not approved by Friday and with the debt limit set to expire in the middle of October, they're working on that too. So this week we're going to break down everything that's going on and the ramifications of each issue and what that could have for the future and for you, because this is probably going to affect your life too. Zader's facts. Let's talk about it. Deal with it. First, we've got the infrastructure bills, the economic bills that we have been talking about for months, like literally all summer. Zader's facts has been talking about this. And finally, we may be at the end of it. Maybe not. We'll see, because we have been covering these two bills extensively over the last couple of months. We have dedicated episodes to uncovering what is inside these two bills. So if you want to go back and have a refresher on these bills, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill, which is a trillion dollars, we covered that back in June, episode 22, go listen, and then episode 29 in August is when we covered the other bill, the Reconciliation Bill, Spending Human Infrastructure, Spending Bill, it's all, all those things. They really didn't come up with a name. It's pretty bad. But that's what we discussed on episode 29. So go listen to those. Good to know. So right now, Democrats are trying to pass both of those this week, but they're being held up because progressives and moderates have different ways of thinking on how this should happen. 
and that is never good. So on Monday of this week, the House began debate on the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which is the smaller bill, which House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has set for a vote on Thursday of this week. That's just hours before the government is set to run out of funds. The other bill is the $3.5 trillion spending bill, and that's where the big issue comes in, because that is currently not being debated, or its vote is not set in the House, because progressives in the House have threatened not to vote for the infrastructure bill if the spending bill does not get tagged along. Uh-oh. However, the Speaker, Pelosi, has laid firm over the past couple of days, stating that more work needs to be done to the spending bill because there are a bunch of moderates whining, you know, the little few that don't like the price tag of $3.5 trillion. The moderates are seeking to lower that to the dismay of the progressives who believe they have already compromised enough because their initial offer was $6 trillion. If you remember that back in the spring or early summer, it was $6 trillion. They compromised the $3.5 trillion, and now the moderates are whining again. So... That's what we've got going on. Cool facts, bro. Pelosi stated that she believes the bill is going to shrink in size, hopefully not by much though, because there's a lot of stuff in there that is really needed in America right now. So progressives are trying to block the infrastructure bill, or they're threatening to, if they don't get the spending bill passed as well. And the only reason they're doing so is because they worry that they're going to lose all their leverage to hold up the spending bill once the infrastructure bill passes because the moderates are going to say, oh, well, the infrastructure bill already passed, so we can just, who cares about the spending bill? That's what they're worried about. So the positions of the moderates have forced the progressives in the Democratic Party into this position to help protect the spending bill, basically, and what's inside it because apparently the moderates don't like that very much, even though it's popular, and we're going to get all to that in a second. But the bipartisan infrastructure bill has already passed the Senate. 19 Republicans joined all 50 Democrats, so it got 69 votes, nice, to pass the Senate. And now it goes to the House, where the progressives are, you know, kind of saying, oh, I don't know. And there's going to be Republicans probably in the House who vote for it too, but there's a lot of progressives in the Democratic Party right now who are saying might not vote for it. So if Pelosi can't get the progressives in line, the Republican votes might not be able to offset the progressive votes. Because if this bill is passed on Thursday, it will go to the White House, where the signature of President Biden is the only thing that would be between it and its enactment into law. So however, it's unclear if the president's going to sign that bill if there is no assurances from Capitol Hill on the spending bill. So that's another thing we have to get into too, because he could also veto the bill if they don't do anything with the spending bill. So that's another thing to look at. And my take is basically, Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. You might not like her because you've been trapped into these Republican conspiracies, but she's very good at her job. And she's done this before. She's gotten her caucus together in times of division and frustration. And I wouldn't bet against the Democrats right now trying to get this passed one way or another. They have gotten this far to not pass one or both of these bills right now when they are voting on them right now, when they've gotten this far, would be a massive failure for the party. And it would definitely have ramifications for everyone in that party that could exist for a 
while. And it is clear, as I said earlier, that the American people would like these bills to be passed. These bills are popular according to recent polling, like a USA Today Suffolk University poll from August 25th, a month ago, that showed 63% of Americans backing the bipartisan infrastructure bill, while a poll on Monday of this week from Morning Consult showed that 56% support the bill and only 27% oppose the bill. That was a fact. And that USA Today poll from back in August also showed that 52% support the $3.5 trillion budget plan. So these bills are popular, and they would have a massive effect on the lives of everyday Americans. Just go back to our past episodes on these bills to see what's in them. The $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill has got infrastructure, as its title suggests, major investments that we haven't seen in decades on roads, bridges, the power grid, airports, high-speed internet, public transportation, electric vehicles, and clean water. So all those would help the U.S. continue to develop as a world leader. And to do that, we have got to keep investing in vital necessities like infrastructure at home. And that bill absolutely does that to the tune we have not seen in decades. The $3.5 trillion spending bill, which is budget plan, democratic reconciliation bill, whatever you want to call it. What do you say? That would be the largest investment in human infrastructure since the New Deal back when FDR was president, and the Great Society plans that LBJ had back when he was president. This bill would lower child care and health care costs. It would provide universal pre-K and two years of community college. It would provide paid maternity and sick leave, which the U.S. is way behind other developed nations on. It would provide investments in climate resilience, more Pell Grants for college, and it would expand Medicare to cover dental, eye care, and hearing aids, among other things. And to pay for it all, tax increases on the largest corporations and those making over $400,000. Trying to get rid of those Trump tax cuts, which cause a ton of debt, which now they don't want to pay for. We're going to talk about, oh, we're going to talk about that. But this bill would provide the most significant expansion of the social safety net since those Great Society plans by Lyndon B. Johnson, the former president back in the 60s, and would build on the progress that was made by the Great Society and the program's from the New Deal. And if you remember, well, you don't remember because you probably weren't alive, but back when the programs of the New Deal were implemented, Social Security, Wall Street reforms, massive infrastructure improvements that created a ton of jobs, got us out of the Great Depression, they were not the most popular things when they were enacted. Surprise, surprise. But today, 61 million people in the U.S., collect social security benefits each month. And without those benefits, those people would be crushed financially. Before the New Deal, elderly poverty was a huge problem in this country. And now, because of all the programs we have, made by progressives, it's not really as big a problem as it was, because it was a massive problem. Once you retired, you went into poverty. Now that doesn't happen. Because of the New Deal, which at the time by conservatives was called socialism. Morning, morning. See the parallels? Oh, of course. So, we don't just want these bills. We need these bills to keep the economy recovering from the pandemic and help improve American life. Let's just hope that the moderates in the Democratic Party can come to their senses and pass these bills. Because if not, The party 
and the country is going to be in for a rude awakening. And we're going to talk about that more in a little bit. But the other thing that's going on right now is the federal government is also at risk of being shut down and defaulting on its debt. That's a big deal. On Friday, October 1st, which is this Friday, at midnight, the federal government will run out of money. And if Congress does not pass any funding for the federal government, it will shut down. So on Monday, in order to help avoid this, the Senate voted on a bill that would keep the government open until December 3rd, which would also include a suspension of the debt ceiling through December 16th, 2022. However, no Republicans voted for the bill. What? Are you serious? Yeah, I am serious. Because it needed 60 votes to pass, it failed. So Republicans, including your boy, the Senate Minority Leader, the turtle, Mitch McConnell, <gasps> they have said they will not vote to extend the debt limit. And they would only vote to keep the federal government open if that was a separate bill from the debt ceiling increase. Why? Well, the Republicans are trying to tie together the two spending plans, which are worth $4.5 trillion, which we talked about a minute ago, and the debt limit, saying that Democrats should take the blame because they're raising the debt with these bills. Huh. Of course, most of what's going to be passed in these two bills is going to be paid for, like we just said, and is not going to raise the debt. And it's also interesting how Republicans want to blame Democrats when they themselves have also been culprits in raising the debt as well. It's been both parties, but a lot of it's been Republicans. While under President Obama, the debt did increase by $8.59 trillion. But under President Bush, the second one, the debt increased by $5.85 trillion. And under your last boy, Donnie boy, it increased by $6.7 trillion. And that was only four years. The others were eight. That was only four. It's all true. So the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, said on Tuesday that if the debt ceiling is not suspended by October 18th, that's the date, the U.S. will default. And if the U.S. defaults for the first time in its history, it could have dire consequences for the U.S. economy, ones that could radiate around the world. Yikes! Since this hasn't happened before, we don't exactly know what's going to happen. However, economic analysts and Yellen have both predicted that we would see a major spike in interest rates that could lead to a market sell-off and an economic downturn, and the government would not be able to send out tax credits, social security checks, or provide benefits to veterans if it defaults. The Treasury would run out of money to pay all its bills. So you think that the market sell-off and the economic downturn we saw at the start of the pandemic back in March of 2020 was bad. Just wait, because if this happens, that's going to make it look like child's play. So if the federal government shuts down on Friday, we would have non-essential services shut down. That's roughly three in five of the 2.1 million federal civil employees. They would be told to stop working. The government would still be able to send out child tax credits, social security, or provide benefits to veterans if it is shut down. But new applications or claims for those programs would not be processed. National parks, monuments, museums, those would close, while any new loan applications for federal housing or small businesses would not go through. I mean, we've seen several government shutdowns before, but this one is different because it comes as the U.S. is on the brink of a financial collapse if we default on the debt. Of course, this can all be stopped easily. How? Tell me, tell me! If Republicans in the Congress decided to fund the government 
and suspend the debt ceiling. But it's amazing how they're willing to play with the well-beings of millions and millions of Americans right now because they don't want to pay their own bills. So now, the party that prides itself on fiscal responsibility is preparing to shut down the government and cause a massive recession because they are unwilling to pay the bills for which they helped create. Remember, the Trump tax cuts that the Republicans passed caused an additional $4 trillion in debt as of September of 2020. That's pretty fiscally irresponsible. But the way the Republicans have governed over the last several decades, that's par for the course. In Virginia, the Republican candidate for governor, who just released his policies a couple weeks ago for some reason, wants to cut taxes and raise spending. Oh, well, that sounds great. But it doesn't make any sense. How could you cut taxes and raise spending when you don't have enough money? That is how you go into debt. Virginia was just rated as having the best economy in the country. If that happened, Virginia would be sent into financial turmoil. It's so fiscally irresponsible. Sick burn! It's ridiculous. So if this shutdown actually happens, and the government actually defaults, you know who to blame. Because it's not the party that's actually trying to fund the government right now and stop the U.S. from defaulting. That's the Democrats. But the one that doesn't want to pay its own bills and is willing to put the economic status of the U.S. on the line for political points. That's the Republicans, of course. It might be one of the most dangerous things a political party has ever done in the history of our country. Of course, you know, let's just forget about the insurrection that they did a couple of months ago. That's, you know, get rid of that. But this, oh my gosh. But that's basically what conservatism has boiled down to in this country right now, hasn't it? Republican politicians have showed time and time again, that they really don't give a crap about the average American they represent and are only in it to prop themselves up figuratively, financially. They just want power and greed to themselves. But people will still vote for them because the Republicans continue to be told that Democrats are evil, socialist, baby killers who want to take your freedoms away and that Republicans are the only hope we have against communism. Oh my gosh, could you believe those Democrats, evil baby socialist killers, they're killing babies with their own hands. Really? Well, of course, none of that is true. But so much of this country's been brainwashed by Fox News, all the right-wing crap, that they believe that. So sad. Republicans and conservatives have spent the last several elections proposing absolutely nothing that would help the average American, unless you're in the top 1% of earners. And they know that the only way they can keep getting elected is if they lie about their opponents. A large reason of why Donald Trump won Florida and why the southern border of Texas went red is because the Republicans kept screaming socialism in the faces of Cubans, even though that's not remotely close to what the Democrats are doing, and to immigrants and Hispanics in Texas who are now worried. And they'll say, oh, well, the Republicans are against socialism. Lies. So conservatism, as you can see, is fundamentally ruining this country and democracy. And it's sad to look what's happening before our eyes. Xander, you're overreacting. Well, they're trying to default the government right now, which would destroy the economy. Quit whining. Because they don't want to pay for the debt that the tax cuts to the 1% cost that they passed four years ago. They don't want to pay for the debts that the Afghanistan and the Iraq wars, which were both started under a Republican president, caused. $2 trillion in Afghanistan. They don't want to pay for that debt. They have been fiscally irresponsible for decades now. 
and they don't care. That's not even what conservative means. I mean, small government, they're trying to expand the government, increase spending. That's an increase in government. They're just lying. Huh? They're just lying straight to your face. And they don't care because when you call the Democrats socialists and baby killers and evil people who are trying to take your freedoms, they know that the dummies who are brainwashed are going to vote for them. Maybe next week on this podcast, we'll take a look at the history of this country and how it has actually been progressive movements that have taken this country forward, getting rid of slavery, giving women the right to vote, the Civil Rights Act, and how it's been conservative ones that have held this back. Maybe we'll take a look at the history of conservatism next week on this podcast. How about that? Rant over. But what's going to happen this week in Washington is major, and in one way or another, it's going to affect your life. Let's move on. Anyway, this is going to be one of the most consequential weeks we will see in a while in Washington. The infrastructure bills will impact your life. They want to make it easier for you to purchase an electric vehicle, to provide education for your children, to go to preschool, to go to college, to be able to get basic medical attention, to be able to drive down the road and not worry about running into a pothole or going on a bridge and it collapsing and you're dead. Disrespectful! No wonder Republicans don't support them because they want to make your lives better. And Republicans, if they can't get anything out of it, the politicians, they won't vote for it. If the government shuts down, basic functions that we depend on will shut down. And if the government defaults, it's going to be an economic collapse to the degree we have not seen since the Great Recession of 2008. That was pretty bad. But of course, we have a simple way to prevent this one. A simple vote in the Congress. And we can stop an economic recession that will really hurt the economy. Millions are going to lose their jobs. But one party doesn't want that to happen. The other party doesn't care. So in review, this is definitely a time when you need to be paying attention to the news and making sure you actually know who's fighting to help you right now in Washington. Because one party is not. One party is saying, if you lose your jobs, if you lose all your life savings, who cares? We got political points! We can win the midterms! That's what one party's saying. And it's not the Democrats. So that's all I've got for y'all on politics this week. Holy cow. And next week, we're going to talk about the history of conservatism. Wow, that's going to be fun. Dad, Xander's spreading lies. So that's what we've got this week. Hopefully you're paying attention. Hopefully you just learned all the facts because everything I basically just said was true. Xander's facts? And if you think it's false, you can go look it up. And this podcast is called Xander's Facts, just to let you know. So that's what we've got this week on politics. And now let's move on to sports because after the break, I need to take a breather. After the break, we have got football picks. For this week, last week, I did all right. We're going to recap that all. Football is next as the Xander's Facts podcast continues. Everybody get ready for Xander's Facts. Welcome back into the Xander's Facts Podcast. Xander is here, and I am all refreshed, recharged, ready to go after just screaming about whatever. So, let's go here to some football, and let's start with week five in college football, because last week, I made a bold prediction, and you all were like, Xander, are you crazy? And I was like, yeah, I might be. But it turns out I wasn't. It was Clemson and NC State. Clemson hasn't been doing so well on offense. I said that. So I said, well, they're playing in Raleigh, North Carolina. So I think NC State's going to win. And guess what happened? They beat Clemson 
in double overtime. That's cool. How about that? Oklahoma State ended up beating Kansas State, who was ranked in the top 25. I picked that too. Upset Zeter's facts. Of course, some of my other bowl moves did not work out. Notre Dame and Wisconsin. In what was a close game, Notre Dame ended up dominating Wisconsin. They beat them by 31 points. In the fourth quarter, I think they got two straight pick sixes. The Notre Dame defense did. That was pretty crazy. But Notre Dame won. Wisconsin did not. I did not pick Notre Dame to win, sadly. Arkansas also showed out because they beat Texas A&M 20-10. Of course, Nebraska could not get it done against Michigan State, who I picked to lose to Nebraska. And Michigan State won by a field goal in overtime. And there were also a couple of other upsets, too. Baylor is 4-0. They beat Iowa State 31-29. Iowa State now has two losses. Of course, I picked them to go to the playoff. I picked Clemson to go to the playoff, too. And Ohio State's still not looking... Too good either, so I have no clue. You're a liar! But Iowa State failed a two-point conversion with less than a minute left, so they lost that game. Georgia Tech stomped North Carolina 45-22, to and Oklahoma needed a last-second field goal to survive West Virginia. So last week, Xander, myself, I, whatever, went 16-5. and That's pretty good. Got some good picks. I did do NC State. Oklahoma barely won. Oklahoma State... Of course, I picked Texas A&M. They lost to Arkansas. I picked Wisconsin. They lost to Notre Dame. I picked Iowa State. They lost to Baylor. I picked Nebraska. They lost to Michigan State. And I picked North Carolina. They lost to Georgia Tech. North Carolina looked terrible. But that is 76.19% of games right. And that bumps the yearly record up to 64 and 20. Clearly, you are nowhere close because Xander has all the facts. That's 0.762 winning percentage. That's pretty good. But that's week four. Now let's go on to week five. And the predictions. We're going to start out with two great games. We've got a couple really good games this week in college football. But let's start off with number one, Alabama. They are at home. They welcome the Rebels of Ole Miss, who are 3-0. They are 12th of the country. That game is 3-30 on CBS. And it's the first of two great SEC matchups this week. And Ole Miss's offense has definitely looked elite so far. And they are going to face their toughest test yet. But... Sanders facts. And the upset. Ole Miss is going to beat Alabama. Yeah, okay. Because this year has been crazy. Alabama's going to lose at home to Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Book it. Sanders facts. That's the first great SEC game. The second game involves number two, Georgia, who will host number eight, Arkansas. That's a top 10 matchup at noon on ESPN. It's the first of two top 10 matchups this week. Arkansas comes to Georgia. And Arkansas surprised me last week with their win against Texas A&M. And Georgia scored 62 points against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt scored zero. (laughs) So, kind of a rest week. And some are saying that Georgia's front seven might be one of the best in the history of college football on defense. Well, Arkansas's run, their 4-0, I think is going to end this week. I think Georgia is just too talented on defense. They will beat Arkansas, and that's going to be college game day's game this week in Athens. A nooner! How about that? Heading to the West Coast for number three, Oregon. They head to California to face Stanford at 3.30 on ABC. Oregon heads to Silicon Valley to take on a Stanford team that did fall to UCLA last week, and it might be closer than the spread, but I will take Oregon to win. The Saturday night game on ABC at 7.30 is Indiana heading to Happy Valley to face the number four Penn State Nittany Lions. Indiana has definitely not been as impressive as people thought they would be, 
Like I said what happened, I said they probably weren't going to be impressive this year. Penn State has definitely looked legit. They'll easily beat the Hoosiers, and the next week, they face Iowa, who is number five right now. Whoa, what a game that might be. The Iowa faces Maryland on Friday, 8 o'clock on FS1. Maryland's undefeated. They're 4-0, and they have an impressive win over West Virginia right now, who's looking pretty good, even though they just lost to Oklahoma, but by a last-second field goal. And it took Iowa a little bit of time to go past Colorado State last week. So in the upset, another top-five upset, Maryland is going to beat Iowa on a Friday night. Overrated. And next week, the Terrapins head to Columbus to take on Ohio State. Big, big 10 games next week. And this is another big one. That's going to be a good Friday night game. Oklahoma is number six. And after they barely beat West Virginia last week, they take a bye. And the second top 10 matchup of the week, it's Cincinnati, who is seventh. And after their bye week, they take on the number nine Fighting Irish at Notre Dame at 2.30 on NBC. Notre Dame has impressed me. I didn't think they were going to be that good this year, but they beat Wisconsin, who has definitely not impressed me. But I really want to pick the Bearcats. So in fact, I will. Cincinnati's going to win in South Bend. Another upset. Well, actually, I guess it's not for the polls, but a lot of people would think that's an upset. Cincinnati beating Notre Dame. I think they will. Xander's facts. The 10th ranked team in the country is Florida. They are 3-1. and one. They face Kentucky, who is undefeated at 6 o'clock on ESPN. But Kentucky's most impressive wins are one-score wins against Missouri and South Carolina. So Florida's offense looks like one of the best in the SEC, and I think they'll win in Lexington, Kentucky. Ohio State dropped to 11. They are 3-1. and one. They face Rutgers in New Jersey at 3.30 on the Big Ten Network. Rutgers impressed last week. They only lost to Michigan by 6, and they held them to 20 points. But it's Ohio State, of course. I think the Buckeyes will win, but I think it's closer than whenever the spread is. I don't know. BYU is 13th. They are undefeated. They face Utah State on the road on Friday at 9 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. The Cougars chug on, but they face a tough Utah State team that did just lose to Boise State. But I will take the Aggies of Utah State to win in another upset on Friday night. Sanders, facts. Nice try, buddy. Michigan is 14. They're undefeated. They face a 1-2 Wisconsin team. That's the big noon game on Fox. Michigan continues to impress while Wisconsin disappointed once again. This should be a comfortable win for the Wolverines of Michigan. Mississippi State heads to College Station to take on the 15th ranked Aggies of Texas A&M at 7 o'clock on the SEC Network. A&M's, of course, coming off that loss to Arkansas and they face a dangerous offense in Mississippi State. Could be an upset, but I don't think so. I think the Aggies are going to bounce back. Texas A&M is going to win. Louisiana Monroe plays at Coastal Carolina, who's 16th and undefeated at 230 on ESPN+. Plus. Coastal Carolina keeps moving up the polls. They will win. Western Kentucky faces an undefeated 17th-ranked Michigan State team at 730 on FS1. Michigan State survived my upset pick of Nebraska in overtime last week, and I think they can handle Western Kentucky at home. Fresno State is 18th. They move up. They face Hawaii. In Hawaii, how about that, at 11 o'clock on Saturday night on CBS Sports Network. And Fresno State has to take that plane ride to the islands to face the Rainbow Warriors. And definitely don't underestimate that plane ride, even from the West Coast over to Hawaii. I'll take the Rainbow Warriors. Hawaii is going to win the game in a top 25 matchup. Sneaky. Both these teams were not ranked last week, but Baylor is undefeated at 4-0. They're 21st. 
They go to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma State, who's also undefeated at 19 in the country. That game's 7 o'clock, ESPN2. Baylor got a big win over Iowa State last week, and the Oklahoma State beat Kansas State at home. But I think the talent advantage is going to give the Cowboys the win. Give me Oklahoma State. UCLA is 20th. They are at home. They face Arizona State at 10.30 on FS1. UCLA survived Stanford last week, and now they welcome Arizona State, who has not been that impressive. So I will go with the Bruins of Oakla. Auburn is 22nd in the country. They will face LSU in Death Valley at 9 o'clock on ESPN. And Auburn struggled against Georgia State last week, Georgia State, while LSU was able to defeat Mississippi State on the road. So in the Battle of the Tigers, give me the LSU Tigers in this one. Original. NC State, after their big win, gets into the poll at 23. They are at home against Louisiana Tech at 6 o'clock on ESPN Plus and the ACC Network Extra. After a huge win against Clemson, Louisiana Tech comes in to Raleigh for NC State. Trap game? Nah, I don't think so. NC State's going to win. Louisville faces Wake Forest, who is 24th in the poll. Wake Forest is 4-0. That game is 12-30 on the regional sports networks in ESPN3. Wake is undefeated. And the second team to make the poll in the ACC after they beat Virginia last week, Louisville has also looked sharp. So this should be a good game. But I think the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest are going to roll on. And finally, at 25th, where's Clemson? They're at 25. They are 2-2. Two and two. They host Boston College, who's undefeated at 4-0 this week, at 7.30 on the ACC Network. Clemson dropped 16 spots to take the last spot in this week's poll. Man, that was rough. And Boston College should be another popular upset pick, but they are missing their star quarterback, Phil Dracovic, and that should allow Clemson to sneak it out at home against Boston College. So... I'm predicting definitely a weekend of chaos in college football. Couple big upsets in the top 10. And we'll see if this wild college football season keeps on chugging. Because it has definitely been wild. Clemson's 25th. Ohio State's not looking that sharp. I don't know about Oklahoma. We'll see about Alabama. We'll see. That's college. But here it comes. To finish off this podcast, let's go to the pros. It's week four in the NFL this week. But last week was week three. And it was another exciting week in week three in the NFL. That started off on Thursday night with the Panthers improving to 3-0 with the win over the Texans. And on Sunday, the Bills, the Browns, the Saints, the Bengals, and the Broncos were all easily able to beat their opponents who were Washington, the Bears, the Patriots, the Steelers, and the Jets. And there were a couple of great games too. The Ravens beat the Lions on a last-second field goal. And that field goal from Ravens kicker Justin Tucker was an NFL record 66-yarder. It hit the crossbar and bounced in. It was pretty insane. Another fact. And the Chargers were also able to hold on and beat the Chiefs in Kansas City after the Chiefs turned over the ball four times. And the Rams were able to beat the Super Bowl champs in Los Angeles. And the Raiders were able to improve to 3-0 after an overtime win against the Dolphins. Then on Sunday night, it was another great game. The 49ers got their first lead of the night over the Packers with 37 seconds left. But Aaron Rodgers was back on the field, 37 seconds. He led another game-winning drive, let kicker Mason Crosby hit a game-winning field goal to beat the 49ers. The Packers won 30-28. And then on Monday night, the Cowboys and the Eagles faced off, and the Cowboys were able to comfortably beat the Eagles and take first place in the NFC East. So out of the five remaining undefeated teams left in the NFL right now, 
four of them reside in the West divisions of their conferences. The Broncos, the Cardinals, the Raiders, and the Rams. The other team is the Panthers, who are in the NFC South. Fact! And last week, I went 11-5 and on my picks, which was the same as the week prior. But I did have some good picks. The Rams, the Ravens, the Raiders, the Packers, I picked them. Of course, I did pick the Seahawks to beat the Vikings. They did not. The Patriots did not beat the Saints. The Chiefs did not beat the Chargers. The Colts did not beat the Titans. And the Texans did not beat the Panthers. So I did get those wrong. But that's 68.75% of games that I got right this week. And that improves my yearly record to 29 and 19. That's a .604 winning percentage, which is not as good as the college one. But it's getting better after that monstrosity, which was week one, I think. That was just terrible. So that was week three. Now let's go to my picks for week four. And on Thursday Night Football, to start out week four, 820 NFL Network, it's the Jaguars who are 0-3. They head to Cincinnati to take on the 2-1 Bengals. And the Jags remain winless. And the Bengals are hot off a win against division rival Pittsburgh. That was a big win for Cincinnati. Give me the Bengals and give me them bigly. That's a word. Evil! The football team of Washington, who got stomped by the Bills, Goes to Atlanta to face the Falcons at 1 o'clock on Fox on Sunday. We're on the Sunday games now. Washington's defense allowed 43 points against the Bills, while Atlanta beat the Giants on the last second field goal. And while Washington's offense looked at least competent, I think, there's really little hope for Atlanta right now with their quarterback being Matt Ryan. So the Washington football team should bounce back with a win. The Texans head to Buffalo to take on the Bills at 1 o'clock on CBS, and the Bills reminded everyone why they're a popular upset pick in the AFC this year against Washington. They should beat the Texans easily. The Lions are 0-3. They head to Chicago to face the 1-2 Bears at 1 o'clock on Fox. The Lions almost got the win against Baltimore, but the Bears look absolutely pathetic against Cleveland because of horrible coaching. It was a terrible game plan, even with Justin Fields starting as their quarterback. But since the Bears at home, this is a toss-up. I'll go with the Bears. The Panthers, who are 3-0, head to Dallas to take on the Cowboys, who are 2-1 at 1 o'clock on Fox. That's an interesting early matchup. The Panthers have been intriguing so far, but they do not have the talent that Dallas does on offense, so I will give the Cowboys the edge and give them the win. The Colts are 0-3 after a loss to Tennessee. They take on Miami, who couldn't hang on in overtime to Las Vegas, at 1 o'clock on CBS. I will give the Colts their first win of the season. The Browns head to Minnesota to take on the Vikings at 1 o'clock on CBS. And the Browns kept rolling last week while Minnesota finally got their first win of the year against Seattle. Minnesota just won't go down quietly this season, even though I want them to. Cleveland should win the game. The Giants are 0-3. Ooh. They take on the Saints at 1 o'clock on Fox. And it says a lot when the owner of the Giants says that he would be booing his own team right along with the fans who were booing their team last week. Fight me. They stink. The Saints should win in their first game of the year in NOLA because of the hurricane. They're back. The Titans take on the Jets in the Meadowlands at 1 o'clock on CBS, and their Jets rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, looked horrific once again last week. The Jets are 0-3. He's showing high signs of bust right now. The Titans should roll. The Chiefs, who have started the year 1-2. and two. You'd be a rich man if you bet on the Chiefs starting the year 1-2. and two. And after a tough loss to the Chargers, they head east to face the Eagles, who got stomped on Monday Night Football that game 1 o'clock on CBS. If the Chiefs can't win against the Eagles, start sounding the alarm for them. But I think they will. 
That's the 1 o'clock games. To the afternoon games at 4 o'clock, it's the Cardinals and the Rams. I don't care what anyone else says. This is my game of the week. The Cardinals and the Rams are both undefeated in an NFC West showdown in Los Angeles, and I'm really high on Arizona this year. But the Rams are at home, and at home they're a different beast. They just beat the Buccaneers. So I'm going to predict that the Rams will squeak it out. But watch out for the game in Arizona later this year. That game is 4.05 on Fox. Also at 4.05 on Fox, it's the Seahawks and the 49ers in San Francisco. The Seahawks disappointed against Minnesota last week, while the 49ers left a little too much time for the Packers in the end. But I'm going to go with the Seahawks to even up their record to get to 2-2. Two and two. The Ravens take on the Broncos. The Broncos are 3-0. That game is 425 on CBS. CBS has got two decent late games in their doubleheader. The Broncos are undefeated. The Ravens are 2-1. And, and despite that, the Broncos' three wins are against the Giants, Jaguars, and Jets. So yeah, they won't be undefeated after the Ravens come to town. And the other game was probably supposed to be the big late afternoon game, but has the struggling Steelers taking on the resurgent Packers. It's getting painful watching Ben Roethlisberger play quarterback for the Steelers right now. Green Bay should dominate them at 425 on CBS. And Sunday Night Football, ooh, it's the game we've waited for for a year and a half. The return of Tom Brady to Massachusetts. Tom Brady returns to New England to take on the Patriots. The Buccaneers play the Patriots 820 NBC. It's definitely clear who the better team is. And I think that team should win pretty easily. Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers will win. And then on Monday night, ooh, a good one in the AFC West. It's the Raiders who are 3-0 who take on the Chargers at 815 on ESPN. The Raiders are 3-0. Impressive 3-0 as they had as they head to LA on Monday night against the Chargers squad that just beat the Chiefs and Kansas City. And while the Raiders are definitely an improving team, I'm going to take my chances with the Chargers offense that looks really good right now. Spitting the truth. So those are my picks for NFL Week 4. And we'll see how we do next week. Hopefully, really good. But that is all for football. That's it for Xander's Facts. That's all we've got for you this week here on the Xander's Facts Podcast, Episode 35. Thank you all for suffering through all my rants here on the Xander's Facts Podcast this week. Episode 36 is coming up next week. Apparently, we're going to talk about the history of conservatism in America. What? So you don't want to miss that next week because we're going to have some more rants. Of course, we're going to have more football next week. That's coming up episode 36. But remember, if you liked all the facts you listened here on the Xander's Facts Podcast, then click that follow button, download button, rate button, review button, and then go on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Xander's Facts. That's Xander with a Z. And remember, tell all your friends, Xander's Facts Podcast, spread the facts, tell all your friends that Xander is crazy. Yep. That's it. That's all we've got for you this week on episode 35 of the Xander's Facts Podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see y'all with episode 36 next week.
Why would you do this to me?